Good morning, everybody. Last week, Alan started a lesson on the Lord's Prayer. The one question the disciples asked Jesus was, Lord, how do we pray? And so Jesus spent some time teaching them how to pray. We looked at just an overall view of how do we pray. Parents, when your kids walk up to you and they speak to you in a disrespectful tone, does it go well for them? Does it go well for them? No. Children, when you walk up to your parents and you speak to them in a disrespectful tone, does it go well for you? No. You're thrown out where there's gnashing of teeth, right? You see, when Jesus taught us to pray, uh, I, I grew up, I grew up going to a Lutheran school in North County. I went to a Lutheran school from kindergarten to eighth grade. And every morning, except for Wednesdays, we had religion class. And that was our first class of the day. And, and we learned Bible scriptures and we had memory verses and we had all the stuff. Wednesdays we had chapel. But Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we had religion class. And I can't tell you which grade it was or what teacher I had who taught me this, but here's a freebie that's not on your notes. If you want to write it down, here's a freebie. They taught me how to pray. And they used ACTS, like the book of ACTS, as an acronym. So A-C-T-S. This is how you should pray. A is adoration. First, you adore God. You lift His name up. You you. You speak highly of him. C is confession. You are vocal about your sin and your shortcomings, what you've done wrong. T is thanksgiving. You thank God for what he's done for you, what he's doing for you, and what he's going to do for you. And S is supplication. That's a big word. That's ask God to supply your needs. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Alan started it. We looked at the Lord's Prayer last week, and I don't know about you guys, but even though I grew up reading the NIV, I only know the Lord's Prayer in the King James. Anybody else like that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but lead us from evil. For thine, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do what? I forgot the English accent. Yeah, I forgot the English accent or the sweaty brow. Um, but that, that's how I learned it. And if I hear it said or read any other way, it sounds weird to me. Am I the only one? No, I am not the only one. Okay. Today we're going to talk about hallowed be your name. I couldn't say it any other way and it not sound right to me, okay? So hallowed be your name. You see, when my daughters come up to me and they are talking to me in a way they shouldn't, at one point, one of my daughters, and I forget which, I have a good guess, and most of you who know my kids probably have a good guess too, called me Mike. (laughs) To Blythe and Cara, I am not Mike. I am dad, daddy, papa bear, or even father. 
That's, that's happened a few times. Um, you can thank my sister for that one. But you see, I am not Mike. Oh, I remember what it was. I got in trouble with Cassie one night and she used Michael. When you hear Michael from my wife, oops. And I remember which one it was now. And most of you know, that one went, yeah, Michael. Children, obey your parents so that it may go well with you. Remember that. But see, you don't come to your dad, no matter who your dad is, no matter what he's done, he's your dad. You don't come up to him in such a disrespectful manner. Now, I understand respect is earned and some people haven't earned that respect, but he's still your dad. And there is some level of respect for him just being your dad, right? I had a great dad. He's actually my boss at work. And I can't even call him by his first name at work because he's my dad. So it's, have you seen my dad or have you seen boss man? Are you seen El Jefe? Which he thinks I'm calling him fat, but it just means boss in Spanish. (laughs) I use El Jefe a lot because of that. But I don't call him John because that's weird. I can't just call him John. Um, in Boy Scouts, back in the day, uh, we went, me and my buddies went through ranger training. We were certified rangers. And I was a lot better shape then. Um, our scoutmasters wanted us to go through ranger training because we were going to Philmont. And if any of you know about Philmont, you know you're hiking through mountains in desert regions, northern part of New Mexico for a week, and everything's on your back, and I loved it. But we went through ranger training in southern Missouri. I would take the mountains of New Mexico over southern Missouri any day. I would take 116 degree heat in New Mexico over 85 degree heat in southern Missouri. It was miserable. But one of our rules is in our pack, you would say, of rangers in training. Everybody was on the same level. So scoutmasters were on the same level as scouts. And the rule from the rangers we were learning from is we had to address everybody by their first name. Everybody. Mr. Meyer, I still call him Mr. Meyer. I'm almost 36 years old and he is still Mr. Meyer to me and I still have a healthy respect from one of my best friend's dad. I worked for that man every summer on his farm. We would toss, toss hay, we would hoe beans, we would wash his combine. And let me tell you what, washing a combine is a lot of work. He was Mr. Meyer. That week, we got in trouble for calling him Mr. Meyer. We had to call him Lynn, because that's his first name, and it was so weird calling Mr. Meyer Lynn, because he was my buddy's dad. He was my dad. We shared dads. You guys have friends like that where you shared dads, and you have to have this healthy respect for for your dad. Otherwise, it's not going to go well for you. We have a heavenly father. And we have to address him with respect. We're talking about prayer. And can I be honest? The prayer part of our service is my least favorite. Not because it's bad. It's really good. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. It's it's my least favorite because it's my weakest point of the service. Prayer is a weak spot for me. I'm getting better at it. 
but it, it pushes me out of my comfort zone. I have to pray with other people and talk about my problems with other people. I have to go with other people to the, to the foot of God and talk to him. It's so awesome to be able to talk to God, to my heavenly father. And I'm so glad we do it as a church. But I'm not going to lie, those first few weeks where we started doing it, I was like tense because it was different. And it still is different for me because every week I choose to pray with somebody else. It's very rare that we pray with the same people two weeks in a row. But we get to go to God and we get to lift up our worries and our problems and our needs and our adoration, his glory back to him. We get to hollow his name when we talk to him. And hollow is just a deep respect and reverence. So when I want to ask you guys this question right off the bat. When you talk to God, are you hollowing his name? Is it hollowed in your life? Because some of us can hollow a football field more than God's name. Some of us can hollow our TV remote more than God's name. The video game controller, the car, our children can have a higher spot in our life than God's name. So jumping into this lesson, I thought it would be a good idea to look at what God's name is. And there's a video by the Bible Project out there on how we got the word Lord. And we are going to watch that video. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the second key word here, Lord, written in all capital letters. This is the personal name of Israel's God. We first learn the meaning of this name in the story of Moses and the burning bush in the book of Exodus chapter 3. God appears to Moses and he commissions him to liberate the Israelites from slavery. And so Moses wonders, what if people ask the name of the God who has sent me? And so God responds, tell them, Ehyeh has sent me to you. Now, that Hebrew word Echyeh means I will be. In other words, God's name means that he is the one who is and who will be. God's existence doesn't depend on anyone or anything else. This God simply is. But it will sound kind of strange for Moses to go say to the Israelites, I will be has sent me to you. Only God can say, I will be. So in the next sentence, God tells Moses the version he should say aloud, Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, he has sent me to you. Now, that word Yahweh is the ancient Hebrew form of the verb he will be. And this is the personal name of the God of Israel. It appears over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. Now, here's what's interesting. Over the centuries, Israelites wanted to honor the sacred nature of this divine name. So as they read the Hebrew Bible aloud and they came to this name, they stopped saying Yahweh and instead started saying the Hebrew word for Lord, which is Adonai. Now this practice has been continued throughout the centuries and so later when people started translating the Bible into English they adopted the same practice. Instead of spelling out the divine name they translated it as Lord spelled in all capital letters. Okay, you got that? Good, because there's more. 
Ancient Jewish scribes wanted to prevent anyone from even accidentally saying this name aloud when you read the Hebrew Bible. And so they came up with a visual device to remind you to make sure you say Adonai. They took the four consonant letters of the divine name. These letters correspond to our English letters, Y-H-W-H. Then they inserted the three vowels from the word Adonai and combined these together to create an artificial hybrid word, which if you pronounced it, it would say Yahuwah, but no Israelite ever said Yahuwah. It's simply a visual reminder to say the word Adonai. Now, it gets more interesting. Much later, Christian scribes came along who didn't know that Yahuwah was an artificial word. And so they began to say it aloud and spell it in their writings. This is the word that eventually entered into English as Jehovah, it's a word many people still use today. But the main thing is, the word Lord in all capital letters is an indication of the divine name. Don't confuse it with the word Lord in your English translations that's not in all capital letters. That is the actual Hebrew word Adon, which just means Lord or Master. This word can refer to people like kings or the master of a servant, even a shepherd over his sheep. And sometimes biblical authors will use this word to refer to God, like in the phrases the Lord of all the earth or the Lord of Lords. But behind all of these words, Yehovah, Lord, Adonai, stands the original divine name of the God of Israel. It refers to the one who was, who is, and who forever will be. Okay, that was a lot, right? You just drank water from a hydrant, not a water hose, right? That was, that was a lot. But did you get the idea that the ancient Israelites kept God's name as something sacred? And holy to the point they didn't even want to say it wrong. So they came up with a different way to say it so they didn't screw it up. Everybody got that, right? Okay, if you didn't get that, that video, there's a link to it on the website. Go back and watch it. I had to watch it twice. Um, so in Matthew 6, 9, when he says, Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's really important that we focus on that hallowed be your name. We can't just walk up here and go, hey God, what's up? What's up, dude? And I've been guilty of that. Okay, I'm guilty of that. I want to share, so we looked at Yahweh, we looked at Lord, Adonai. I want to share with you guys a couple other, or four other names of God. They're on your notes, if there's notes in your bulletin, if you haven't pulled them out. Um, I want, we're going to go through this kind of quick. Um, but I want you to see some of the names of God that are in the Bible. The first one there on your notes is El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And that stands for the Lord God Almighty. That Shaddai, I was reading about it. I've always heard of El Shaddai as God of the mountains. And when I was reading, it's, it's supposed to be Lord God Almighty. But it, referenced, it references mountains, their strength, and their, their just, I mean strength. But they're there for, for what seems like forever because they outlast our lifetime and generations of lifetimes. But that's the Lord God Almighty. He is strong. And it's used multiple times in the Bible, but there on your notes in Genesis 17, 1, it's used when, when Abraham was 99 years old, 
the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. When you're talking to God, do you think of him as God Almighty? Maker of heaven and earth. Of both the visible and the invisible. But do you think of him that way? Or is he just Buddy Christ? Another name. There on your notes. El Elyon. The Most High God. When you're praying to God, is He above everything else? Everyone else. Because there are other gods, little g. They used to be like idols to be worshipped or symbols to be worshipped back in the day. And can I just tell you that Ashereth and Molech are still around? You know, Ashereth was worshipped by free sex. You can't tell me that's not still around. Molech was worshipped by sacrificing your children. I may not have aborted a baby, but there have been times that I sacrificed my children for something I wanted. I've been selfish. El Elyon is the most high God. He is above everything else. When you're praying Him, do you, do you pray to Him like that? Genesis 14, 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. Psalms 57, 2. I cry out to God Most High, to God who vindicates you. He is above everything. Do we remember that when we're talking to him? A third name. Now I'm getting into the ones that are hard to pronounce. This is Jehovah Raha. Raha. The Lord, my shepherd. Um, you guys, you probably have read a passage that has had this in it. Psalms 23. We'll just read the first, the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. When you're praying to him, is he your shepherd? Is he taking care of you? Is he guiding you and watching over you? Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord, my shepherd. And the fourth one we have there, somebody want to take a shot at pronouncing that one? Okay, so there's multiple spellings of this one. I picked the easiest one to show me how to say it because this is the closest to the phonetic spelling that I have. Jehovah Mkadesh or Mkadash. The other one, the way it's spelt most of the time, it's Jehovah and then it's M-E-K-O-D-D-I-S-H-K-E-M. But it's pronounced the same way. I got nothing on that one. But, see, I'm, I'm studying all these and I'm looking at the names of God and this one stood out to me. Jehovah Mkadash, the Lord who sanctifies you. Or another way to say it, the Lord who makes you holy. Or the Lord who sets you apart for holiness. 
When you are talking to God, do you remember that He has set you apart and made you holy? That through the sacrifice of His Son, you are free of the bondage of death. Exodus 31.13 Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. There are more names of God. And if you ever want to do something that just blows your mind about your Lord and Savior and his father, you look up the names of God and their meanings and how many different names God has used in the scriptures and how many names have been used for God, like the God who sees me. Prayed by Hagar when she's crying and God shows up and says, Ishmael, I'm going to use Ishmael. He's one of mine, but he's just not the one that the covenant was through. And she prays to the God who sees her. There's so many names of God and each one has a specific meaning, a specific facet of God. Each name does not do justice to him because he is so big and powerful. And like I said, I've been guilty of not hollowing his name when I come to him in prayer. I want God's name to be hollowed. I have to ask you guys a question. We've been talking about when you pray to God, do you hollow his name? There's another question that should have came before that. Do you pray to God? Again, My weakness right here. My wife often has to remind me to pray with my daughters. Not not sometimes. Like I said, I'm getting better. We have a devotional book that we've been going through, which makes it easy for me to remember. Because prayer is not my go-to. It should be. It should be my go-to. It should be because I get to talk to the Lord, the creator of the universe, God Almighty, the Lord, my shepherd, the one who makes me holy. It should be my go-to. It should be what I feel that I need to do to talk to God. But far too often, it's not. Malachi 1.11. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't jump forward, John. God's name will be hallowed when? It's on the back side of your notes. And I'm moving kind of quick this morning because we need to spend some time on the back side of the notes. Front side of the notes is just so you guys can see where I'm coming from. God's name is hallowed when, number one, I have reverence for his name. Reverence is not a word that is used very often in today's culture. Reverence, a deep respect. Essentially, hallowing his name. I'm just using a different word. When I have reverence, respect, when I look at God's name and I just don't use it flippantly. Exodus 20, verse 7. It's one of the big ten. It's probably important, right? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. 
Have you noticed the uppercase Lord in many of these passages? And remember what the video just said, what that is. That's the divine name. I am, I was, I will be. Kind of a big deal. So, I would wager that it's probably not just me, but I have used the Lord's name in vain while I pray to Him. Because I don't have reverence for it. I don't know if that's just me. You guys are really quiet this morning. I don't know if that's just me. Because it says, don't use the name of the Lord your God in vain. What's up, God? I need to talk to you. It's probably not good. I would, I would say that's not good. I would say I'm using the Lord's name in vain because I'm not having a reverence for it, right? In Psalms 8, it talks about using the Lord's name. And the whole chapter is, is, I go back and read it. It's only nine verses long. I'm going to show you guys verse one and verse nine. And you tell me if it's important. So Psalms eight, verse one and verse nine. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? That was verse one. Verse nine. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? I'm going to let you guys know, Bible, Bible scholars agree on this. If something's repeated in the Bible, that means it's important. <laughs> this whole psalm is sandwiched between lifting God's name up. God's name is majestic. I've never described God's name as majestic. The psalmist does. Malachi 1.11 My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets in every place incense and pure offering will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations says the Lord Almighty. Are you guys getting the fact that God's name should be hollowed and lifted up? Okay, so I understand we no longer live under the old law and all the ceremony that went with it. But sometimes it seems that we've swung too far the other direction. That we've lost everything that that was supposed to do. It wasn't too terribly long ago I saw a bumper sticker saying, Jesus is my homeboy. Or in the movie, or how many of you remember the movie Dogma? And I know it was a spoof and it was funny. Some of you are already laughing, but they had the buddy Christ and George Carlin introduced it and it's Jesus going, hey. Does that not feel sacrilegious to you? I mean, yes, Jesus is my brother, but he's also my savior. And that idea, that idea of irreverence towards God has flowed into our culture and into our lives and into the church. If you just look at our culture and how they treat fathers, the idea of father, and I'm not saying here, okay, but the idea of fatherhood in our culture, dads are like second-class citizens, especially when it comes to things like child custody, and alimony, 
and things like that. And the idea that a mom is much better caretaker for the children than the dad, I would argue is false because my wife and I are a team. And I, I don't understand, for you single parents out there, you have much respect for me because I could not do it. But the idea, just in general, that the idea of being a dad is somehow less than being a mom. And we have this idea in our culture that dads aren't good enough, so they don't need to be respected as much. I'm not saying we need to get back to these ceremonial recited prayers because that's what I grew up on. And I'm going to be honest, in the church I grew up in, we had to go through acolyte stuff where you had to put on the white robe and put the candles on, light the candles, put the candles out, stand there. I fell asleep in the front of the church during a prayer because you can't tell me what we were praying about, even if you were there. The people, Lord have mercy, hear our prayer. They don't know what they're saying, Lord have mercy, hear our prayer about. They're just doing it because the pastor said a line. I'm not saying let's get back to that. And I'm not saying we have to go through all the pomp and circumstance that the ancient Israelites had to do. Because, let's be real, that was a lot of work. When the Israelites would come up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem's on a hill, you had to come up, they would recite psalms. And they were called the Psalms of Ascents. So... Let's pretend that we did that. I'd have to recite the Psalms as I came up the steps or up the ramp. That's a great thing to do. I'm not saying it's bad, but to make it a law that gets away from the heart of the matter. I'm not saying let's get back to the ceremonial prayer thing. I'm saying let's change our hearts. Because it all boils down to what's in your heart. I'm not saying you need to get dressed up to come to this church. In fact, I appreciate that we don't get dressed up to come to church. When I come up here, I dress a little better than I normally do, to be honest, because I sweat. (laughs) And black hides the pit stains. If I could get away with wearing a nice t-shirt up here, I would. And I don't care how people look at me as long as they're hearing God speak. But when God hears me speak, is he hearing pomp and circumstance or is he hearing my heart? Is he hearing the respect and the reverence that I have for his name in my heart? So ceremony won't just fix our problem. A heart transplant will. You know, in Ezekiel, he says, I will cut out your heart of stone and replace it with a new one. Look it up. I didn't put it in the notes. It's true, though. You get a heart transplant. And that should make me so grateful that I get to talk to the being that created the universe and fixed my broken heart. So number one, I must have reverence for his name. And one other thing, we don't adore his name for his sake. He doesn't need it. His name is majestic. It is great among the nations. We don't make it great. We don't make it majestic. It is. We need to adore his name for our sake. And that's going to bring me into the next point. Number two, his name will be hollowed when I understand his status. 
I don't adore his name so it's great. I adore his name to remind me that it's great. When I understand God's status as the almighty creator of the earth, it's going to put me in my place. It's going to make me realize I'm taking his name in vain. I'm speaking him disrespectfully. I'm about to be put in time out. Jesus spoke to God often. And he never disrespected the name of the, of the Father. Jesus was God, is God, will be God. Just as the Father was God, is God, will be God. And the Holy Spirit is God, was God, and will be God. And Jesus never put himself in a position that was higher than the Father. And in fact, even though he was equal, he always spoke to God in a humble manner. There's another name for God that I didn't mention when we talked about the four names of God, and that's the one Jesus used for him. It's Abba, Father, Dad. In Mark, Mark 14, verse 36, Jesus is talking and he says, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus is in the garden, and he's about to be crucified, and he knows it. And he's sweating blood, and he's anxious and a wreck. And he's praying to God, I don't want to do this, but you need me to do this. You want me to do this. Abba, Father, take it from me if it's possible, but I want your will done. How often do I pray that? I don't like this. Take it away from me. I leave out the your will be done part. Next week, we're going to talk about your kingdom come. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was doing God's will. He wanted God's will done. We're going to talk about that more next week. Paul also calls God Abba in Galatians 4, 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And he also used it in Romans 8.15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. You see, I have always been taught that Abba means dad or daddy. And there's not a whole lot wrong with that. But I was studying out this week, and there are scholars who are smarter than me that don't believe that it meant daddy. It means father, but it didn't become daddy until more modern times. Modern Hebrew uses it as daddy. But at this time, sure, it meant father. But it was only used by the heir the son who would receive the inheritance it's intimate it's relational it's not just a word to use it's not just a 70's band it's it's something really special And it's not used very often because of that. It was used as the son who was the heir to the father. 
You see, my relationship with God affects how I approach Him. If I don't have a close relationship with God, I'm not going to approach Him as Abba. I can learn all the names I need to know. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord who sees me. The Lord God Almighty. I can learn all of that. But if I don't have that intimate relationship with Him, He will never be Abba to me. I've often heard, again, talking about the way we dress. I had somebody one day, I was in here. Um, no, it wasn't here. I'm sorry. We were at a different church. We walked in and we were on vacation. And I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt and sandals. I was there to worship God. The God who judges my heart. And an old man walked up to me and that's not the way we dress to go to church. Well, it's all I had, sir, and it's the nicest clothes I had. Well, is that how you would approach the President of the United States if he came here? If the President of the United States was my father, yes, this is how I would approach him. That was probably disrespectful to an elder, but... Am I approaching God and His name in prayer with a heart problem? Or am I approaching Him as a son or a daughter who has a relationship with Him? It's great to learn all these names of God, but if I don't have a relationship, if you don't have a relationship with Him, I want to implore you to change that today. You see, God created you. God created everything you see and many of the things you don't see. And he sent his son, whom he loved, to come live a life that we can't live. God the Father sent God the Son to this world to be human. And he had it planned from the moment we screwed it up. And he loves you so much that he did this. Because He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be your Abba. And Jesus died a death for us that we deserved. Because we're all sinners. We've all screwed up. We've all taken God's name in vain. Name it, we've done it. Jesus didn't. And He came, He lived a life perfectly. He was our sacrificial lamb and He died on the cross. But He didn't stay dead because the third day through the power of God, through the power of creation, He rose again. He resurrected, and He showed Himself to His disciples and many people. And He ascended to heaven and then sent the Spirit so that we have a guide, a Spirit that talks to your heart when you have a relationship with Him. And Jesus is preparing a place for all of us in heaven, a place we can't go yet. But one day we will. And we're going to get to live eternally with glorified bodies, praise God, with Him and the Father. And we won't have to sit here and pray because we're going to be able to talk to Him directly. It'll still be prayer, but it, it, it'll, be, it'll feel far less one-sided. Sometimes, I'm, I'm not going to lie, sometimes it feels a little one-sided. I'm talking, God's not doing anything. He's doing something, I'm just an idiot. But... We're going to have that ability because we have a relationship. We have this, this intimate relationship with our Abba. You see, prayer and approaching God's name in it all boils down to a balance. 
It's a balance between reverence and relationship. We have to respect the name of God because He created us. He's our Lord. Adonai, Yahweh. He was, He is, He will be. But we also have to have a relationship with Him. And again, I implore you, if you don't, talk to somebody here who does and knows God because you can know Him. I pray this week you guys can think about His name when you approach Him and how you approach Him. Teens, I hope you have a great week at camp. I want to hear all the stories when you get back. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of them. And the rest of us, I I pray for your weeks this week that the heat is low, productivity is high, and so are your spirits. There's a card in your bulletin. It's a communication card. If you have prayer needs, we have a prayer team here who would love to pray for you. We have a group of people who respect God's name and lift up your needs to Him. Go ahead and fill that out. We're going to sing a song, and they're going to pass the baskets. You can put that card in the baskets. If you're a guest here, you don't have to give. We did not want you to come here just to get your money. That's not what we're about here. We wanted you to hear from God today, and I hope you did. They're going to pass the basket. Uh, members, put your offering in the basket. We've got to keep the lights on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Abba, thank you so much, so much, for allowing me to be a part of your kingdom. Um, for using me to share your word. I pray that this week we can look at the way we talk to you, that we can talk to you as heirs to your kingdom, that we can worship you as sons and daughters. I'm so grateful to be in this place, Father, that uh, you've provided for us. I know I'm an idiot. I know I screw up. Please forgive me. I pray for the weeks of everybody in this room. I pray that we all grow closer to you, closer to each other. And thank you for your son who has made all of that possible. It's in your name I pray. Amen.